Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. This is your home for progressive, thought-provoking real talk in the chiropractic profession. Featuring the legends, the innovators, and the thought leaders that move our profession forward. And now your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Hello, Cairo dudes and Cairo dudettes. It is Forward, the podcast of Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. I am Dr. Bobby Maybe. I practice in Portland, Oregon. And uh, the Pacific Northwest is sunny and windy and snowy all in the same day <laughs> right now. So it's a great time to do a little podcast uh, in the office. Uh, I want to bring up our sponsors before we get started. Our sponsors are Parker Seminars. You can check them out, parkerseminars.com. There's three great opportunities to catch a Parker Seminars in the upcoming months. Uh, NeuroCon in Dallas is a neurology-based seminar put on by Parker, and it's July 31st through August 1st, 2020. Parker Seminars in Dallas 2020 is October 2nd through the 4th, and the granddaddy parker seminars las vegas 2021 is february 18th through 20th so pick one uh, you get a choice but be sure to hit up a parker seminars uh, sometime this year our next sponsor uh, i love because they've had our back whether you're a sports chiropractor evidence-informed chiropractor it doesn't really matter china gel has always had our back and it's pretty easy to choose china gel as a product of choice for your office not only because it's a good product, but because they've also supported us along the way, no questions asked. Um, Justin and the team, it's not money first overall else. Uh, it's definitely, he's really interested in China Gel themselves, are very interested in building a community and knowing that we all get to wherever we're going together, not as individuals. So please support China Gel. Check them out at chinagel.com. And our final sponsor is the T-Tool. The T-Tool will save your hand and it will save your practice. It is an instrument-assisted soft tissue tool, uh, but it's more like the SUV of, of IASTM tools because it has multiple applications, multiple ways to deploy it onto your patient, including over-the-close applications, hand-saving trigger point type work, uh, beveled edges for all the soft tissue methods you might want to use, all in one handy-dandy tool. Uh, that is durable and it will last you a lifetime. So check out thetool.com. Those are our sponsors. Uh, this particular podcast itself, uh, if you if you don't podcast, which not everybody podcasts um, yet, <laughs> but if you don't understand how a podcast works, there's a lot of different ways to record podcasts. Some people will record a bunch of guests at once, like five, six, eight guests all at the same time, and then have a, a batch of podcasts to then put out to the public. Some people put them out as they go. I'll typically record smaller batches and then um, by the time you hear it, by the time it's released, it's probably been a couple weeks since it's been recorded, but this one is timely. It's, it's somewhat time sensitive considering uh, the, the most current news of the coronavirus um, and the out, the pandemic classification and the, uh, social distancing and the stress it's put on our practices. When my guest and I decided to speak on a podcast that had been scheduled many, many weeks ago, and this was not the topic that we were meant to talk about, um, but it became the topic because it's the topic everybody's talking about. Uh, so we went with it. Um, 
my current get my guest for this episode is a chiropractic physician with a strong focus on the latest evidence in movement and pain science uh, and utilizing those to help patients return to their activities or sport as quickly as possible. Uh, he graduated from Logan University and he is a member of the Tennessee Board of Chiropractic Examiners uh, and he uh, also assists and helps and serves on the National Board of Chiropractic Examiners. Uh, we intended to talk about the Certified Chiropractic Clinical Assistant Program that is put on by the Federation of Chiropractic Licensing Board. We wanted to talk about the importance of chiropractic assistance and the, the way that they can be utilized quite successfully in your practice, um, not just to do the dirty work, but to really be solid team members and important parts of your practice community. Um, and we do talk about that a little bit in the podcast, but not as much as I think I would have liked to or as the guests would have liked to. My guest also operates movement consult, movementconsults.com, uh, and they provide the tools and resources for evidence-informed chiropractic physicians to streamline patient assessment, treatment, and communication to help their businesses. So we definitely wanted to talk about that too because it's one of my favorite topics is uh, streamlining your systems for business uh, so that you can be as successful as possible in this evidence-based world of chiropractic. So my guest today is Dr. Jason Holm, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. It is a timely release. Uh, we we didn't strategize. We didn't say we didn't sit down together and say, "Hey, let's capitalize on what's going on in the world." Uh, we just want to talk and hopefully give you guys some uh, real talk and some hope and some kick in the pants to keep on fighting and keep on pushing uh, for your patients, yourself, your communities, and your practice. So I hope you enjoy the show and take care. Okay, it works. That's good. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Um, my guest, as I have previously announced to you, is Dr. Jason Holm from the lovely state of Tennessee. Is, te what, what, is Tennessee for lovers? What is Tennessee? No, Virginia's for lovers, right? We're the volunteer state, baby. Volunteer state. Uh, and you do a lot of volunteering, which we're going to get to in this episode. Um, this episode took a turn for us because we planned it well before uh, some of the COVID-19 coronavirus, uh, that pro proverbial poop has hit the fan right now. And so it's kind of changed our conversation piece and the directions we want to go with talking uh, about the things we wanted to talk about um, because basically we, had, we were going to talk about a lot of fun events that were coming up that are not coming up anymore. <laughs> and um, we're certainly not going to be talking about any sports anytime soon. Um, so we're just going to have to change our conversation to fit the times. Are you okay with that, sir? Brother, I think it's really important. And I think that there's um, a million important things we need to discuss as far as how we can navigate this time to come out of it the best we can. Uh, right now, there are doctors that are listening to this that are either stressing um, or they're unsure or they're freaking the heck out uh, or they're not worried at all. And all of them are either right or wrong, <laughs> depending on what perspective they're taking. Um, what, as far as your practice goes specifically, what kind, of, what kind of moves or what kind of actions have you taken to this point? I think there are a lot of them that um, are really important to discuss, especially with the nature of how quickly things are evolving and changing as information comes out in this era. You know, 10 years ago when we opened, it was the middle of the great recession and there were 
a million things going on that were really important and how we needed to navigate those um, because the econo economy was in a, a very specific period of time. And now we're seeing that this is, you know, almost getting rushed um, a lot more quickly than we would expect. And what we mean by that is now we have the media changes where social media is so quick um, that we're seeing these changes come rapidly. You know, we're recording this on a Sunday night and something that's, you know, just an hour ago, they closed down our Broadway. Um, there's a lot of, you know, messages on our local forums about their small businesses and such. So I think it is important that we have our mindset set straight on exactly how we can handle this the best for our patients, for our community, um, for our own team. And I think that's where the leadership aspects really need to, to step up in each individual clinic. And I think the most important things that, you know, that we're doing that we really encourage everyone else to do is sit down, say, what is our emergency action plan? How are we going to be handling this? Um, showing them the calmness that we actually do have the right action steps in place to, you know, this, this time period is going to happen over this next several weeks to a few months. And after that passes, you need to be ready for that influx of patients that are going to be coming in. And it's key to let those that are part of your team, that are part of your team culture, that work so hard to help your community um, by displaying, you know, your core values and um, presenting what your non-negotiables are in your practice and in your community that help build your reputation so big. It's crucial that you instill into them um, the importance that we're going to be there for them, that even in these uncertain times, we do know the things that we are very certain about. And that's who we are. That's what our mission is. And that our team, you know, is going to be here uh, for each other to make sure that when we come out of this, that, you know, we've still got so much that we can do from the emotional side of our great profession to help the quality of life of so many. Let's play a little bit of leadership volleyball here. So uh, we'll make up a game on the spot. So leadership is required. And as a clinician, as a owner of a practice, as a healthcare provider in the community, um, people are watching you. They're looking at how you behave, uh, your staff, and your patients need you to be leaders to them. So you and me, let's just go back and forth. We'll each name one way that you can display leadership amongst your tribe. So what's one way that you would display leadership amongst your tribe? An exact example for these docs. I think the first one that's the most important is that when we are in uncertain times like this, it's okay to be able to explain and, and be honest that there are those certain situations that you don't have the answer to. You know, it is crucial as a leader to know what you know and know what you don't know. So in those times, don't all of a sudden act like you have every single answer that there is under the sun and how this is going to play out, but be able to really assure them on here are the things that we definitely do know. And let's talk about it from that perspective. So that would be my first one. So sort of like uh, what, what we are seeing on social media, which is everyone sort of playing amateur virologist and public health expert. That's not actually a great display of leadership uh, because the, 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 the way I would take it when I re return this to you is d great leadership could be saying, I don't, I don't know, or we don't know all the answers, but we can defer to the experts on the matter, which are our true uh, governmental and regional public health experts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's exactly how that needs to be handled. Um, not overstepping or overstating, but you can still 
be in control of the situation and exude the importance of here are those angles. You know, I think in, in these tough times, the, the big thing to bring up is, you know, what is important? We are obviously looking for that leadership and that's everybody in the community. The key thing is, is we need to, as leaders of our own clinic and in our own healthcare community, we need to be laying those things out for them and saying, these are the things that we value the most and be willing to open up that conversation so that everybody's involved. So not always having every single answer is key, but knowing when it is right to say, let's take in that information. Now let's make the right decision. I think next is uh, on a varying scale of uh, importance and needs. There are some people that tremendously actually value their chiropractic care. I've heard some chiropractors kind of mentioning that they're, they're afraid that their practice is just going to go dry because they're non-essential non-essential like yeah like you're not an ambulance or you're not um the emergency but many many people depend on us chiropractors for uh, whatever they depend on uh, but there are essential to a degree to many many people so for those people this is my turn to say showing some leadership there are people that do still want your services and you're going to have to show them what you're doing in your office to uh maintain their public health concerns to maintain their uh non-communicable disease concerns, to maintain their cleanliness concerns, and to still be an open place for them to come and see you. Absolutely. I think the there's two different categories of that, right? So there's the first one of, all right, in the landscape, and again, it's changing so quickly. You know, if at the time that we actually published this, if, if now things have changed, it's a little bit different. But as of this right. moment, chiropractic clinics and physical therapy clinics um, are not being mandated to be closed. So if they're open, there is a very, very important moment for our clinics to be able to say, you know, there's a whole group that now that are extroverts that are now forced into this, you know, social distancing. So if, if they're home and they still value their care, there's an opportunity that, you know, stress levels we know are high. We know what happens when individuals get stuck in that anxiety cycle. They may have more representations of uh, that, pain categorization that's more of an uh, effective pain presentation. Being able to be there as a leader to be able to help those patients and be a place for them is actually very, very important. So when they come in, it is crucial, exactly like you said, we need to be able to display that we are following universal precautions. And we're also doing our best to not only do that, but do a couple extra other layers. So for example, like in our clinic, we've always used iPads for sign-in, but now what we're doing for them is we're starting off the visit, we're bringing them back, we're signing, we're asking them those questions. We're filling that out on the iPad for them. And then as we take them back to rehab, we're stopping and allowing them an extra opportunity to wash their hands before we get going. But things like that to be able to display that and educate the patients on here's what we're doing for them um, and, and taking advantage of all the local testing that's starting up this week that's very important and making sure we're working in close uh, communication with our local primary cares. You know, that's a crucial aspect. And also the angle that's really important in your practice is to be able to say, look, here's what we're doing for our community because yeah. the one thing that we want to do is make sure the primary cares who need to be there for screening to help guide them that if they do have a fever right now and they have symptoms, what they should be doing because it's been federally advised not to go straight to the hospital if you have a fever, right? Because if you have this, you don't want to necessarily be spreading it. Well, based on that, if they don't have a fever, but they are in pain, we can ease that burden right now dramatically from the primary cares and our, our local colleagues 
to be able to take on those other cases and we can see them handle those appropriately and then free up those visits for the primary cares that are desperately needed right now to help triage this. You know, that's a heroic story. If, if chiropractic was going to play a significant role, a heroic role in this, in this situation, particularly or situations like this that can unfold in the future, that would be the integrative heroic role that chiropractic could play. Like there's always sort of a, I don't even, it's not even a decision. There's sort of a divide in the profession where one, you could, yes, you could put on your social media in such that uh, chiropractic adjustments will boost your immune system by a certain number of percentage. So come on in and get adjusted where you're trying to peel off. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word deception, but with inaccuracies, you're peeling off from the medical system, siphoning off in an anti-medicine sort of fashion and self-preservation trying to, to keep patients, you know, or you could be part of the overall public health, wellness, uh, community health team by helping uh, the other healthcare practitioners, by helping the hospitals, by helping the primary care physicians and, and the urgent care centers and all those in a, in, a, in a truly heroic fashion. Like if you look on a long enough timeline and you care about the profession, that would probably be one of the best things you could possibly do for the profession. And it's right there for us to do and do the right thing versus just trying to peel off a couple patients for yourself in your own practice. Absolutely. Our physician level training gives us the authority to be able to step into that role so perfectly. And this is the time. Oh, we should do that. <laughs> like, uh, there's no video of this podcast, but I'm like jumping up and down shaking. Like that is the thing that we need leadership around to do, but Hey, I'm just putting it out there for other people to listen to, I guess. Um, leadership amongst your staff, Dr. Holm. Now it gets kind of nervous, right? Because I, I kind of believe that there are more chiropractors practicing on the edge, like practicing from paycheck to paycheck than we might want to admit. Uh, and this is going to put a tremendous amount of strain on the staff themselves. I think that's a really important topic to discuss. You know, when, when we think about our colleagues, you know, there was a, uh, a discussion occurring that we saw in the last several days where we, we've seen both sides of this, right? We've seen the, the group that's been around now over 10 years, good cultural environment, worked hard to support their team and their staff, making sure that they are certain that, you know, we're, we're in these uncertain times, but if we get to a shutdown that we're going to have your back, the role's going to be here stronger than ever when we're back. Here's the things we're going to be doing. And we recommend that we do in that time off. Here's what our, uh, our opportunities to educate the community. You know, the unspoken piece here, if we're looking at the, the highs from the team is, you know, this is going to be one of the probably highest, when we look back on it, the highest rated social media usage time periods in the history of the world. So it, take advantage of that to be able to educate the important things that we can help with, you know, to help ease that burden on the, the rest of the, the triaging system and, and reach out to your local providers if, if you don't know them very well. But as far as your team goes, it's crucial that you have what your action steps look like and what everyone's going to be able to do. So the, the ones on the edge, I think that the key thing is, is that you always have to be completely in the mindset of understanding that times are forever adaptive and changing. There's nothing yeah. more consistent than change and adaptation in business. It's what it's always been. It's what it's always going to be. 
So in those moments is having that certainty of knowing what are your core values? What are the things you stand for? What are you looking at long-term? That's where it's at. And, you know, what we want to see more of over time is stronger chiropractic assistance in the profession. We want to see bigger teams, better cultures, but there's no better time to start on that stuff than in a period where there is that uncertainty. You know, if the providers are hearing this at the right time, this is the time to put together your action plan. How are you going to handle this? What's this look like a month out, two months out, six months out? Those things are crucial because that's when you can form a bond to be able to instill onto your team the right leadership and the right community for the right reasons, as opposed to doing the exact opposite of that, which would be the unpreparedness or the fear-based approach and um, you know, creating more chaos. So I think that's the key is that there's no doubt that we've got, especially just looking at FTCA. I mean, what a great community to be able to come to and discuss these things with. If you actually need help, reach out to those that you need help with. Um, there's just no better place to be than you know, to discuss that than with colleagues that are like-minded. And going through the same stuff for sure. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is uh, uh, folks in, in leadership positions, you know, you always hear in, in business development and self-help and all these, these things like starting with your why and, and having a reason and having um, a, a core principles and all these things in place before you really get your ball moving in practice and in business. And I, I do know for a fact that most people sort of, I don't, I don't want to say they laugh those things off, but they don't take them as seriously as they should. And then these moments come around where everything's, everything gets refreshed. The reset button gets pushed, right? And it's, it's like uh, this is the time where you start to realize those things were important and you should have had them or you need to have them now more than ever. You need to have the most basic, simple, fundamental ideas and, and practices in place if you want to weather these kind of storms and there's nothing more powerful than being able to look at your team and saying, this is what we stand for and we are going to do it. We're going to go through it together and we're going to get through this and then having them respond to that because it's been there the whole time. They trust you. It's a trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. And these, these moments are really, um, they're reeducating opportunities as well. So, I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to state at some point we have to, acknowledge that the profession's been around since 1895. So think of all the things that have happened since 1895, the Spanish flu, uh, stock market crash, the Great Depression, World War One, World War Two, 9-11. I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on. And the profession itself has weathered the storm every single time. Now, the way that you practice might not weather the storm. So we don't practice the same way they did in 1895 or in 1930. So like you said, adaptability is, is a key component to all this. Um, and then being, being or allowing yourself to be creative as well is very important. And that's where the great teams, you know, are really going to rise during this time where if you're, if you already have those great core values established and they're not just something that's on a piece of paper, but they're things that you exude in your clinic. You know, those things, that plus having your action plan in place is where the team's going to come together, put together things that are dramatic, and you're going to see great rewards for that all around in your community and the communities who's really going to benefit there. So that's where we talk about, you know, this team-based approach. And Bobby, exactly what you were going through, how important it is to see that our professions keep kept weathering this over time. And 
the other thing that's been great about this whole podcast that we've talked about so far is the power and the importance of that team element. And that team element isn't focused on enough. You know, so often we, we talk about uh, seeing other chiropractors discussing just that, that head roll. You know, sometimes the, the chiropractor themselves, there's that little bit of deep down, just prideful role that they feel like they need to do it all. It's oh, times sure. like these yeah. that remind you, you have to have that team. And the bigger your team is, the more of the community that you can affect and the more great things you can do together. And so that's what I really hope the narrative ends up being when we look back on this six months from now, is that if you had a team, you noticed how powerful that is. And let's watch that team grow so that you can affect dramatically more in your community. And if you didn't have a team, that this was the catalyst to start building that team based on the right core values to help more people in your community than ever. This, uh, the whole COVID-19 scenario itself is testament to that. It's a metaphor for that on an absolutely global scale. It's like we are not going to be able to uh, succeed in this endeavor unless everybody participates. I've actually been quite impressed with how well, uh, at least my community here in Portland, Oregon, seems to have taken the idea of social distancing uh, and they've done an excellent job without it turning into absolute chaos. So, so I'm pretty impressed that people, you know, there's silliness on, on social media and all that, but when it really comes down to it, I think people are really getting the idea that we have to participate as a community. So, and I think cool. the, the other piece of that is that I want to see more of and have seen some of it. And it was just so refreshing was seeing uh, several posts on those next door apps and on Facebook and individuals in the little neighborhood apps saying things like, Hey, we know we've got more elderly in this, in this community. Um, you know, the stats just aren't good on elderly in isolation periods and their future health, but yeah. seeing that, you know, it may not be the best health decision right now to go next door, have a conversation with them, et cetera. But can you be writing them an actual physical letter? Can you be calling them more often? You know, those things to reach out to those in the community and just seeing the community together grow as a whole. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I would say that would be one catalyst that I'd love to see people, you know, leave this podcast with is that uh, reach out to more of those that maybe you don't, you know, life gets so busy and you don't have that time to reach out to them in your neighborhood or in your community, but reach out to them and and tell them that you're there and have a good conversation and keep checking in on them and following them. You know, I have a, a grandmother that's um, not doing too well right now. And my grandfather's going through a lot with that, but that's a perfect example where we're constantly touching base and, and making sure that, you know, they're there and they've got the support, even though at the same time, we're highly cautious about, you know, this up to potentially five day window where you could be infected and not know it. You know, so yeah. still being able to follow those precautions, those recommendations, but still share the love with the community, make sure that you're connecting with them and, and use this as more of a connected time than ever, even though we're getting forced into this isolation period. No, that's great. That's great. No, that's perfect. I mean, if you are, if you are service minded and community minded and uh, there's nothing to keep you from being creative, like uh, setting up um, a, a digital way to talk to folks who are isolated. Yes, uh, like a, a, Zoom, a FaceTime or a, a Skype or one of these sort of things. Uh, and if they're not techni technologically up to speed, uh, finding ways to get people technologically up to speed so they can communicate with others. The, 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 the amount of resources we have available are almost limitless at this better point. Better than so ever. Yep, absolutely better than ever. And, um, you know, in our action plan that if they force us on a uh, isolation where we cannot come into the business. You know, step one is every morning we've got a Zoom call that we're going to do as a team. There's no doubt we're already paying for that service 
you could absolutely use that to communicate with those in your community that, uh, or even in your neighborhood that maybe you aren't as close to. So I think that's a, a great point. Keep that going. And that's how we need to use this. Now let's talk about our community. These com- the community of chiropractors and the people in our own chiropractic community that might be in need or, or need help or need um, outreach or advice. What kind of resources do we have available to us? I think it starts as quick as just our forum, you know, being and I didn't mean to put thinking. you on the spot there. I mean, I'll, I'll contribute to I just, <laughs> yeah, I think we've got a lot of them, but I think the easy one obviously is that I think this is a time where, you know, you do have those concerns. You don't have to keep those internal. And I think yeah. that would be my strong stance and position. You know, I, we personally, you know, we have movement consoles and a group of providers that we, we are helping coach through those situations, but there's no doubt that this is not a time where, you know, we typically think of Facebook or these other social medias as a way that we put on some message or some viewing that we want others to see. But at the same time, with these great private communities like FTCA, there's no question that we can easily be able to help support each other and voice real concerns and have good discussions. You know, I think that's a really great option of where to start is what's right in front of us. You know, sometimes we take for granted great communities like that and we start focusing on, oh, well, I made this post, but not too many saw it because of, you know, Facebook's new filter for X, Y, and Z, but it's like, man, the community's right there. You know, start using that right away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I started the FTC, that was one of the original intents without a doubt was to open up or, or demonetize and democratize conversations about chiropractic and have a place where people could actually say things that they needed to say instead of trying to keep up, um, keep up faces and keep up with the Joneses. Uh, which was what I was so much exposed to when I was a younger chiropractor was I thought I mean, really the only avenue for communicating with other chiros is if you went to some sort of seminar, community, community, uh, continuing education with them. And it was more like uh, it was a pissing match, right? Like how many visits do you see? You know, you never got to talk about like, Hey, I'm kind of concerned about this or I'm not sure that this direction is proper. And that's one of the genesis of the FTCA was that we need a place for that. And hopefully the people who listening, who are listening, who are part of the FTCA know that you can, we can lean on each other within that group. Um, but if you're not an FTCA, if you're not in the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance Facebook group, by all means, find a community that can support you and don't go through these, whether they're long-term uh, practice altering changes or a temporary storm to ride through. It's not a temporary storm to ride through, but, <laughs> but if it happens to be one, at least you'll have a community that you can communicate with and maybe come up with some strategies and they can encourage you to re- remain uh, vigilant and, and creative in the process. Absolutely. And I think that's where we just need to make sure that if anybody's head goes to a position where they have those anxieties and worries and don't know where they're going, you, you've got to use this catalyst in this time to make that change where that's never an issue again, whether it's you're joining a, you know, like one of our movement masterminds, or you're, you're just opening up a community in the FTCA where you're more comfortable discussing those. You, it's crucial to remember that you're not navigating it alone as a business owner um, in chiropractic. You also have other chiropractors in your community that you can lean on, whatever, whatever town you're in. Uh, they can be a resource uh, that nothing keeps you from meeting with them all in a coffee shop, uh, finding uh, a good group of people that you can lean on and work with together. There's your state associations. Uh, there is, to a degree, I think 
you know, the, the board, you wouldn't want, want to lean on your state board as much. They're more about protecting the public than they are about protecting you. So let them do their work. Um, there's so many, whoever is in the sort of vein of thought in practice that you're in, whether you're a SFMA doc, <clears throat> uh, whether you've followed through uh, with Jason's programs or the Chiropractic Success Academy, any of these other programs, leaning on the people within those programs to help you because you all speak the same language. But do not, even though we are social distancing, do not go through this alone is my key word, my key, my key advice. And I think this is a great time for the state associations to, um, you know, to reopen those lines of communication if, if you don't have a great relationship with them. That's something very important. Even two hours ago, I was on the, uh, the phone with the head of our state association. And it's just really important to make sure that everybody's doing the right things from the leadership perspective, because people are going to have questions, people need answers. And, um, you know, the best guidance that we can give in those times where you may not always have the answer. Well, this is the fundamental moment when that kind of leadership is the most important. Uh, We get warm and comfortable and happy and we forget how important our state associations are because there's, there isn't as much fight to fight. And yeah, we've always assumed that the fight for the state associations was in dark smoky rooms with insurance legislators and things like that. But we don't, state associations don't have that fighting power against some sort of conglomerate insurance company like they used to. So they're not as important on that level but they are extremely important on this level. And it's one of the reasons why the FTCA is so large, I think is because the state associations forgot that they're supposed to be there for the doctors and the doctors aren't there for them. That's my personal opinion. If anyone is participating in a state association, it's just one observation I make. It's not a condemnation of all your work. Um, am I, how, how am I, how's my professionalism on this podcast? You like that? I don't think there's an 11 out of 10, but (laughs) if there was, you're killing it right now. Look, I know what state associations are supposed to do, but I also know what they're really, 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 really supposed to do. And it's in times like this, uh, display that leadership that we know you've got. Um, Yeah. And this can also be a black eye on these state associations if they don't have the leadership, like who you've been picking to be leaders probably haven't been leaders for the right reasons. And this is the reason we need the right leaders in the right place at the right time, because um, people can start to panic. They're going to start to freak out. And when, when people's practice lives are on the line, they can start doing things that really start to look unsavory for the profession as a whole or for their own practices in their own communities. So we need the, the leadership, the kind of leadership that says, stay the course, do the right things, be positive, and let's stay together and not let's let's just not get weird here. All right. Yeah, there's that a saying in my T-shirt, like whatever state I'm in, let's just not get weird here. All right, Bobby, 2021. <laughs> you know, there's a saying in regulation that once you understand one profession's regulatory body and legislation, that you understand one state's regulation and um, <laughs> legislation. Yeah. I think that that applies to state associations as well. You know, yeah. Tennessee, we've always had. Um, at least since I've been in practice, just an incredible state association. And when I hear from colleagues, if that's not currently where they're at, I think that's where I think the quickest ability to help influence the profession is to be able to start getting involved with those. And uh, our state association has just been really, really great lately um, this last decade. And, um, you know, one thing that I took for granted was something we're very passionate about are, are chiropractic assistants. 
And in Tennessee, yeah. our legislation has been so good for so long. When I came out of school, I just assumed that was everywhere. And once you start traveling around teaching more, you realize, oh, this is actually not the case that Tennessee is actually the, the forefront for chiropractic assistance in their, their legislation and regulation. So from there, uh, that drives me to get real passionate and involved with making sure all the other states can start leveling that up. But exactly like you said, we, we've got to see more getting together and, and leading from that state association uh, front. And, you know, in FTCA, we have so many providers that are active in their state associations. And we have several that are even involved in the state board side um, from the examiner side. So I think this is the time where uh, I'd like to see a lot more uh, building up of those state associations as well. I think that's, uh, I just can't ever strive enough for our evidence-based Kairos to jump into that more. Um, Our influence, your voice can be heard so loud and so fast uh, being the voice that just, good critical thinking and decision-making and, you know, working from a, a, a position of sincerity. And um, I, I think there's just a lot of opportunity for us right now. Yeah. The, what I feel like with state associations is like you said, there, you guys have had a decade of solid work that you can look back on and see that something's happened. I think a lot of the state associations, the leadership platforms in place and, it's just like situations like this where a switch can be flipped and then all of a sudden all that great leadership, all those decades of hard work are actually put back into motion again where the, the, the giants, the shoulders of the giants we stand upon, their work can be revisited and replayed through modern society because it was done so long ago, but it was done right. Um, and what I don't think people who are participating now in our, in our milieu of leadership or chiropractic in general is they, I don't think they understand how much of a huge difference they can make if they just make a move. Like if they do get part, if they do participate in the state association or if they do participate, like I do on the examiner side, the huge first, the amount of need that we need good people to do it. But second, the amount of difference that they can make and a good difference, positive difference they can make. So in such a short amount of time. I think that's yeah. the message that gets missed all the time. I'll go back and, and speak at Logan. I do that every trimester where I'm, I'm teaching in the rest of May class, but I try to hang around and have conversations afterwards and um, just, you know, get the vibe for what people's preconceived notions are about either a state association or uh, a board of examiners. And the over resounding message is the exact same as when I was in school 13 years ago is that we had no clue about any of it. So the reality was you didn't, you were like, oh, okay, so this is this thing that somebody does. And then those somebody's help. The dark shadowy figures. Yeah. Yes. And it is not that at all. It's very, very easy to jump in and say, I'm here. I want to be involved. How do I help? Like, where do we need the most need? Let's go. Like I'm here. I'm passionate. I care about the profession. Let's go. And if that mentality, you can go so far, so fast. And people really don't understand that. And that's the narrative that needs to be pushed all the time because we see it play out over and over again. It's just, you've got to realize that it's there for the taking. Go do it. And there's work to be done. Uh, like they're not going to give you the president of a position, you know, you're not going to become president of XYZ organization year one. You're going to have to put in some work uh, and, and build, build bridges and, and build networks and show your worth. 
And there's committees. There's so many great things. You know, you yeah. pick the one you're the most passionate about, get your feet yeah. wet, learn. Um, you know, this was a big legislative last couple of weeks in Tennessee where um, I was actually being brought in to testify on some, um, from a legislative position uh, of expertise. And you just see how quickly these things can move and how important they are. And they get brought up every year. Um, there's, a, there's a lot there and, and we need way more providers willing to step in you know, step away from their practice, do what they can. But the reality of the situation is, you know, some of those things are just real finite and here or there. Like most of the stuff that's where you really need to get down into the, um, the, the side of service where you can really give back can happen around your schedule and in a pretty short amount of time to make a pretty big difference. So get involved, even if there's some people that politically you may or may not um, sit well with. The thing is over time, you know, you can start building those relationships or, you know, get the numbers to be able to start pushing forward that critical thinking mindset anyway. Or gain so much power, you begin to vanquish all your opponents. <laughs> <laughs> this, <laughs> uh, all right. I took my professionalism down to a nine there, but that's all right. <laughs> um, in your observation, and if you can't speak to this, don't speak to it, but in your observation, when you talk about the chiropractic associates uh, that you see the, operate in states where they're legislatively well-managed versus the states that don't have that kind of legislation in place. What are the primary differences you see either in the associates and the way they're, uh, sorry, not associates, assistants, chiropractic assistants, the way they're treated, the way the practices flow, the way that the teams can be built in a successful manner? What kind of differences do you see? Why is it important? So let's talk through that a little bit. When we talk about chiropractic assistants, you know, for so long, let, let's first define out what, what that should look like, or at least what my uh, ideas are of that and what we've seen play out in a lot of clinics across the country in a growing field. At first, when most people hear of a chiropractic assistant, they think of this is a front desk role. So right. they answer phones, they bring people back, uh, patients back to the room, they may or may not put on stem pads. And so that's what they think historically what a CA role is. And I would say that we are in the greatest opportunity ever for that to not be the case anymore. So depending on your state, um, for example, in our state, in a great, well-run legislative and uh, backed by a state association state, in their role, they're a direct extension of the provider. So they, they can't adjust and they can't diagnose, but anything that's on the treatment plan, they can provide. So in that reality, you know, for what I want to see more and more clinics take on is certain things that when I speak, um, it seems like it comes up almost every time, but I'm very passionate about this idea of your clinic has, it's obviously its core values, but it also has to operate under non-negotiables. And those non-negotiables need to remain non-negotiables, not be bendable things that all of a sudden you now are willing to give up. And so what I mean by that is for us and our clinic, the, one of the ones that's the most important is that we have our outcomes and how we're going to provide that SFMA for every patient and then how we're going to um, take those measurable goals and we're going to exceed those measurable goals. Well, a CA and the real big premise here is that we have these non-negotiables and they're really important to us and so are the core values. But where they become the most important is when we realize our number one mission is to help as many unique patients as possible in our community while maintaining those non-negotiables. So it, to see and help and move the needle for healthcare and neuromuscular healthcare in our community, we need to have a team. You can't possibly do that with one provider or two providers. 
So the reality is you need these assistants to be able to help you see more in your community. And the assistant role needs to be a very empowered role. It needs to be where they understand the care that you're giving, that they understand how to help work through that diagnostic case, how, how they can help you with that clinical workup. Um, these are all things that we can teach and empower our assistants to be able to perform. And so frequently individuals think that, oh, I'm the only one that can do a motor test for mm -hmm. an L5 nerve root. It's like, well, we used to think in those terms, but the reality of the situation is an initial screening, if that's below a three plus or not, most can learn pretty well in just a couple of hours. And so the key is you can work with them um, in a team-based environment to be able to learn those things. So one thing that we really want to see is that we see more CAs with more training, and then you can help more in your community because of it. So in a state like ours, where you have to take um, some coursework, and then now you can get certified as a chiropractic therapy assistant. In that role, that now becomes a career path because it's not just a, okay, I'm here, I answer phones, I help take a patient back, and then I, I chat all day. That's, that's a very entry-level role. But now that they can get advanced training and they can become a chiropractic therapy assistant or the nationwide program, which is called the Certified Clinical um, certified chiropractic clinical assistant program. That is where we took the verbiage and expounded a bunch of it uh, amongst it to say, here's where we want to see CAs. What would this overwhelming um, program look like using what's already been very successful in Tennessee? And so the things that are very powerful in an environment where you have a culture based around higher levels of training, where there are assistants that go hands-on, now you see a camaraderie build and a, a healing environment that really improves because now it's not just the provider that's doing everything. They walk in and understand that they're in an environment where everyone knows what their case is. They're all here to help and they can connect at different levels at different parts of care. So that's the biggest thing that we see is that now you have a whole team to be able to help from all different environments and every patient loves it. They know everybody's name. They they understand where they're getting the value from a whole team. And when you have a whole team that's helping with that, that's why we never have competition in our region is because you can't replace what we have as a team culture. Um, the, can, can another office provide the SFMA? Can they provide dry needling, hands-on services? There's no question. The reality of the situation is what can't be reproduced is that culture that we built that team of excellent providers and CAs, that's what can't be competed with. So that's how, when you come in these hard times from a nationwide pandemic, now what? Well, we get to sit back and be very comfortable of knowing that, yes, we've got some hard decisions that are going to be made or forced politically because of a shutdown, but we know exactly what's going to happen in those times as a team and a culture, and we've got each other's back. And when we come out of this thing, it's going to be one of the most exciting times in the profession because we're ready to run. It's a volt. It's a value multiplier. I mean, through the Chiropractic Success Academy and the FTCA, I've learned um, with my own personal investigation. I, I mean, I've just discovered how many people, how many doctors of chiropractic are lone wolves, um, and and not lone wolves because they've per perfected the practice style, um, but mostly lone wolves because of what you said. Their egos. They cannot get their out of the way of their own ego they are the only ones who can do soft tissue in the whole world 
They're the only ones who can deliver the best adjustment. They are the only ones who can do a proper history. Um, and it's really lack of trust. It, it, the, the funny thing is, though, when we get into these situations like a worldwide pandemic or any other thing that could put strain on a practice, these are also the folks that are living on a very thin margin and they don't have a lot of room for error. Yeah, when they experience a downturn, it's not a huge downturn because they never really had a huge upside in the first place. But the, the downturn can be absolutely devastating because there's nowhere else to go and there's no one else to sort of turn to. Uh, there's no other way to be creative in the process because was, there was only one person. <laughs> it's a one-man dinghy and that dinghy's, that, it's a bathtub boat that's sinking. Um, I've seen both sides. I've, I've practiced in California where there's almost no uh, chiropractic assistant um, respect, uh, recognition, <laughs> training, legislation, anything at all. And then I practice in Oregon where the chiropractic assistants are, are very well respected and trained and, and utilized by some people quite nicely. And, and you can tell the difference. You can just tell the value perception difference when you're, when you're, you, when you're visiting a team. Uh, just like if you go to your dental physician or you go to your medical physician and the team takes great care of you, and then the doctor comes in and does what the doctor needs to do. You're not then, as a patient, dependent on Dr. Jones or Dr. Smith, and whether Dr. Jones or Dr. Smith are there that day or disappear that day or, or off or on, the team is always on because there's a team ethos there, and the team delivers the team idea. Uh, and it's a very powerful multi multiplier of value, like I said before. I'm just too passionate about the service and the quality of what we provide as a profession that we have to be a team anti-guru model. Yeah. It's just, there's, there's no way as a, a guru practitioner that you may or may not know that you are, but by the decisions you make, it forces that upon you that makes it a challenge. And so I was just teaching SFA last weekend in New Jersey and had a great conversation with a, a local Cairo up there. And what he didn't realize until the end of the conversation, the whole time that I was doing was constantly trying to play inception and plant seeds that he's got to have a team around him, quit doing what he's doing. And by the end, he's like, man, you've really changed my thoughts on this, that I really think this week I'm going to figure out how we can start getting our assistants going and start uh, training that up and, and hiring that appropriately. And that's literally every conversation that I have at any course that we're doing. That's, the game I'm playing literally every one-on-one -on -one conversation. I feel like I'm the grassroots effort of the anti-guru model. Yeah, yeah, point, no, totally, but, man. Yeah, but I'm completely okay yeah. with it. I mean, that's where we've got to go. It's like, and we we both know that people practice in in phases, right? There's evolution, so you might absolutely. have to start as a lone wolf. But absolutely. as long as on your whatever you want to call it, your storyboard on your wall or your the image in your mind is what. At what point do I? Do I decide that it's time to have a team with me? At what point am I going to flip that switch and it's going to happen? At what metric? What metric do I reach, whether it's office visits or practice income or whatever, where it's time to start instituting the team plan instead of the lone wolf plan? As long as you've got that on your horizon, I'm, all, I'm in your corner. But if you're just sort of like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm the only one who can do it and, and I can't trust anyone else to get this job done with me, uh, you've got some problems and you're probably, I'm guessing right now, uh, looking those problems right in the eyes as uh, social distance, distancing hits its full function. Absolutely. And that's, that is the, I'm, I'm glad you made that clarification because there are a lot of people that start out where maybe it's not in the cards for them to be able to get qualified for a business loan right away when they open. You know, I, 
I consult so many young providers and as they're coming out of school, I think you have to invest in yourself and you have to gamble on yourself. And if you are somebody that's opening your own practice, that it better matter so much to you on your own that you are no longer comfortable with who you would be as a person if, if you failed. Like you have to yeah. be so strongly passionate about where you're going. And if that's not where you're at, where 80 hours a week is literally nothing to you, that that's completely the commitment you're making, then that's fine. It just means that you're probably not ready to start that endeavor on your own. You need a team around you. Join another team that's already killing it and, and, and write down your values of what you value in life. If you value the, where your business is going to be as a team and you need to you know, be in charge of that practice, then you've got to write that down. You got to gamble on yourself and you better be hiring right away and starting from a team. But if that's not in the cards, then you're going to have to have it another way, but put down on your board what are my metrics where now I know I'm starting this process to grow and I'm not accidentally locking myself into a CrossFit gym. And that's where I'm stuck practicing where the max influence I can have in my community is 40 to 60 patients a week. That can't happen because that's a very um, sad future for a community that desperately needs your services and everything that you offer to help empower people around you. I just, uh, I, I just got, metaphysical in my own mind while you were talking not that i wasn't listening to you i can multitask <laughs> but i'm thinking like dr holm isn't a flu pandemic isn't that so metaphorical like for what a flu what influenza or a viral infection like uh like covid19 what these things do so these infections will sweep through a population and they will essentially eliminate the immune compromise right the quote unquote weak they will, the ones that can't keep up, it's, it's third, it's uh, herd thinning, right? And what a metaphor that something like coronavirus comes through the chiropractic community and has the distinct ability to weed out the weak of our practitioners, the ones that cannot keep up, the ones that are not strong enough and prepared and do not have enough defenses to buffer themselves against this uh, viral spread. That's crazy, I would like right? to see that it's a massive just catalyst towards realizing I always told myself this was a good idea, but oh, now you I'm going to do it. You freaking eternal optimist. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's your opportunity right now to say it, it, it's, yeah, when, when, when all things are burnt down to the ground, if you still have what you said, the passion to not fail no matter what, this is a great opportunity to begin to do things exactly the way you thought you always wanted to do them. Let's go, baby. I got a thing that I wanted to read, um, and then you can respond to it as we close out. Um, just something I saw on the Instagrams from that Tony Robbins dude. But he made this post, and I think it's distinct. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read it off. It'll be sort of our closer, uh, and then you can add to it as you'd like. Um, you're always the man. I don't think there's ever a time when you have not impressed me, either through sense of humor, uh, your boyishly good looks, your professionalism, your commitment to the profession and your desire to do the right things, all those things. Um, I have a, I have a man crush on you, Jason Holm. Just I'm to just going to read that transcript of what you just said <laughs> to myself in the mirror every morning. We're going to see where it goes. So here's what Tony Robbins said. I don't know. What did he say this? Like a little bit ago, a little bit ago, I caught it in my email. Decisions, not conditions determine your destiny. There are three decisions we're all making every moment of our lives. In fact, you're making the first one right now. 
What am I going to focus on? What we choose to focus on affects our whole life. Whether we focus on whatever we focus on, we feel whether it's true or not. If right now you're focused on the economy is going down, it's terrible. You'll feel terrible about your economics and your actions in that arena will be made in fear. But what if we shift focus? What if we said everybody's scared and freaking out? It's a perfect time for us to take a different approach because as Warren Buffett teaches, don't panic when others are getting scared by headlines. If we have the courage to ignore the prophets of doom, the best opportunities come in times of maximum pessimism. If we focused on that advantage, we'd feel very differently, wouldn't we? See, focus equals feeling. And soon, as soon as we focus on something, we give it a meaning. Is it the end or the beginning? Is this a blessing or a curse? Whichever meaning we decide controls what we feel. And our feelings come all of our, and out of our feelings come all of our actions. So we have to decide what to focus on, number one. And number two, what it means. And number three, what we're going to do about it. We're living in a unique time where the volume of fear and anxiety is turned up. If we don't think critically for ourselves, we're letting someone else dictate our focus. We can't forget that we are in charge of what to focus on and what it means and what we should do. Turn on the TV is a good news about all the magnificent and mag miraculous things humans are doing today. I wish, but we're fed headlines that jolt us to get our precious attention and they're competing with the screen in our pocket with social media, text and alerts every moment of the day. My mentor Jim Rohn taught me Every day, stand guard at the door of your mind. You alone decide what thoughts and beliefs you let into your life. What we focus on, focus on shapes whether we feel frustrated and angry or excited and grateful, cursed or blessed. In these times, we need to remember to stand guard. If we don't discipline our fears and control our focus, the world will gladly do it for us. You decide. And we already talked about, that's what we talked about anyways. We covered that before Tony Robbins even said it. It's funny. So on that exact same topic, I'm driving my daughter. So I have two daughters, a three and a five-year-old female. So that I'm driving them to school, um, their little preschool on um, are My Friday kids are the same week. age, by the way. Oh, are they? Yeah. Three and six. Okay. So I'm driving them to school and cute as can be. They're just looking at the, we had a, a bright, pretty day. So they're looking at all the little things and everything. My five-year-old just pauses and she goes, daddy, something terrible just happened. And she's just as serious and sincere as could possibly be. And we're like, oh, honey, what's going on? And she goes, a really bad word just jumped into my head. And we're like, okay, well, what's going on, babe? She's like, you promise I won't get in trouble? I'm like, I promise, honey, you will not get in trouble if you tell me. And she goes, the word stupid. I don't know why this happened. It just jumped into my head. And we had to have that talk of, okay, honey, pump the brakes and go over what's so important about self-talk, self-speak, and what you focus on. And so we literally just educate on that same topic that a five-year-old goes to the same things that Tony Robbins is educating some of the best business minds in the world on, the same discussion that a five-year-old has to go through. Uh, my mind's jumping one place, and then we're teaching, you know what, what you focus and what your intentions are on. So you're going to think about the opposite of that. You're going to think about being smart and love and those things and how you're going to be able to help push those forward. And to watch a five-year-old at those influential times of, do I go down this path of only thinking negative, et cetera, or do we spin that to where our intentions can actually make tangible change and how we're going to do something with that today? So I think that's just a, a, a very funny 
conversation that, you know, I had between a five-year-old literally three days ago and exactly what he's speaking to some of the best business leaders in the world. Yeah. It's timeless. <laughs> and we easily forget all too. Of us. Absolutely brother. Every day. Um, in my, in my perspective, I came into practice uh, around the time when Arnold Schwarzenegger, governor of California, wiped out all of workers' compensation coverage for chiropractors, essentially, and physical therapists, um, essentially just destroyed that industry in California and businesses' practices went out of business overnight, gone, because they weren't buffered. Uh, they, they were way too dependent on the workers' compensation dollar. They weren't diversified in practice. They didn't have teams available. They were just, you know, all, all the stuff that we've already talked about. Overnight um, business destruction. I've also seen the practitioners in that state adapt and overcome and return to success. It wasn't their practice. It wasn't their practice style. It wasn't um, luckily having some kind of coverage versus other coverages. It was pure grit and it was pure determination, personality, perseverance, and uh, management and, and leadership skills. So please, in these times where maybe we're not as busy as we could be, do not forget to fold back and relearn and reinvest in yourself and reinvigorate your passion for why you want to do this thing we call chiropractic. That's where we're at, brother. Closing sentences would just be, you know, if clinic gets forced to where you can't see as many patients or you have people that are doing social isolation, not coming into the clinic, how you spend that time of that, not having that appointment is crucially important. You spend that time investing back in your team. You spend that time looking forward to the future and, and making sure that you're not wasting any segments of time, that it's all going the right way to help your community as much as possible. And I think that's an opportunity that, uh, we're not always forged to be able to do, but because right now we're, these things are coming no matter what. And if it's not this, guess what? A year from now, six months from now, it's going to be something else. Yeah. But use this as the catalyst forever. So forever it's burned in your memory of this is when all that hard work we put in before, let's take advantage of that and make sure we're helping as many people as possible. And that for the future, we're going to have a great team. We're going to have individuals on that team that understand that we love them, that we've got their back. And let's take that and just make big disruptive changes to your community because you're getting people better and knowing that you're the place to go to for any neuromuscular pain complaint, period. Dr. Jason Holm, I appreciate you deeply. Brother, this was a good one. Not only that, I appreciate your team and your family for doing what they do that enables you to do all this other stuff as well. They're, they're the real MVPs. Couldn't do it without them, no question. And that's the truth, my friend. Uh, I look oh, forward to talking close. to you again, man. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you in your steely blue eyes. Do you have blue eyes? or br I don't know. I'm just making that up. <laughs> some call them hazel, some call them brown. Yeah, whatever um, those eyes well. are. I'm just giving yeah. you a big handshake when we can all touch each other again. See you, brother. All right, take care.